With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to Geico.com and you could save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike... You know. Dance with me, purple cow. I like your moves.
All right, welcome back to the Heavy Metal Mayhem Radio Show. It's October 23rd, a Sunday night like always. And boy, we got a great show for everybody tonight. Emily Ann from Axion is here. I know my man Iman is thrilled about that. He's such a big fan. He's already to go in the chat room tonight. Paul Logue of Eden's Curse and Dushan Petrosi of Iron Mask. We got a great show for everybody tonight. I can't believe the month is almost over. You know, next week is Halloween, and we will be doing our Halloween Spooktacular uh, this Thursday on the Metal Matinee. I mean, the Metal Matinee we haven't done since March. Uh, we kind of ended that after, like, almost eight years. Uh, but we still do the holiday specials, and Halloween's coming up, and that's a special day. So we'll have the show on 12 p.m. Don't forget to tune in. It's going to be a killer. All right, right there, Anvil. Winged Assassins. We haven't played Anvil on the show in a long time. Not since we had Lips on the show back in the beginning of the year, I think. So, kind of cool to go old school. To me, that Forged and Fire record, it was like the last great Anvil record, in my opinion. They had a bad stretch after that. The albums really didn't do so well. And, you know, the band kind of fell out of favor with a lot of people until the documentary came out and kind of brought them back to prominence a little bit. But the last Anvil record wasn't too bad. The last, the last album they put out actually was this year. But it wasn't too bad of an album. All right, you have to forgive me. I'm a little hoarse today and still very hungover from my partner Freddie's daughter's wedding last night. Uh, you know, when you put an open bar in front of us, we're going to take full advantage of it. So he definitely earned his money last night, that bartender. All right, let's get us some music here. How about some Angus with Heavy Weight Warrior? <laughs>
by Sortilage with Sortilage. That's about the only song I can play by the band because the rest of them are in French and I can't pronounce them. So <laughs> we always play the ones that are kind of easy to say. And uh, before that, some Angus with Heavyweight Warrior. Uh, tonight, Steve Grimmitz, Grim Reaper, is playing in Manhattan at the Marlin Room. That's at Webster Hall. Gothic Knights are opening up, and I believe there's one other band on the bill. It's probably getting started right about now. This is like the third time that uh, Steve's had Grim Reaper, you know, his version of Grim Reaper here in the last two years, I want to say. The last two times they played at the St. Vitus Bar in Brooklyn. It looks like they're moving on up, heading to the Marlin Room at Webster Hall. Uh, it's a lot easier for people to get to. I mean, you know, coming from Brooklyn, going to that end of Brooklyn where the St. Vitus Bar is, is a real pain in the ass. I'm going to tell you because most of the people that are going there have to travel from the other side of Brooklyn, and the highways there are a nightmare. Uh, it's difficult to get to that area if you try to take public transportation, the buses, the trains. You got to do two or three transfers depending on what part of Brooklyn you're coming from to get there. And if you come from the outer boroughs, you got bridges to travel over. At least in Manhattan, it's more centralized and easier for most people to get to. And it's a Sunday night, and the shows there do end kind of early, uh, usually before 11 o'clock, I want to say. So, I mean, you can get home in time to get some sleep and get up for work the next day. So we'll see what happens with that. But let's get on a tune off the new Grim Reaper record. Here's I'm Coming For You. Then the feeling starts to get I hate it 
Cyclone fall under his command. What is it going to take to get those guys back together again? They had a great run throughout the 80s. I mean, they really didn't put out too much besides the two full-length records in 86 and 90. A lot of demo tapes in between, but they were such a great act, man. I love those guys. Uh, I, I think they did reunite, or, or some of them did, re, did reunite for a festival a while back. I'm not 100% sure, but I would love to see something a little bit more than that, especially new music, but you never know. All right, you know, last week we had a uh, 
uh, Bob Mitchell on from Mind Assassin. I remember asking him, you know, is it difficult keeping the band together, being that the members are kind of all over the place, especially Rick uh, having to travel in from, uh, you know, Canada all the time. And he was like, yeah, it's no problem. It works great for us. And then a couple of days ago, they, Rick announced that he's leaving the band. <laughs> but every time he has to come in for rehearsal, you hear him complain about it. He has like a 10-hour drive, and it's a lot. And that is a bit much, you know, especially when you do shows randomly here and there. I get if you're going out for like, you know, a couple of weeks on end, then you just drive in and you go out on tour and you wrap it up. But you keep coming back and forth that kind of distance for a rehearsal, to do some recording. It does get to be a lot, you know. It's not like you're traveling like 10 or 20 miles. It's, you're talking a couple hundred miles. Uh, but uh, I don't know. He, he had to have known it was going to happen. Why he didn't say anything last week, I don't know. That's kind of beyond me. But Rick is out of mind this ass. Another line of change for that band. And we'll see who's uh, coming in now. I'm supposed to announce it this week. All right, how about we get on some brand new Axion? I will get Emily on the line, and we'll get the interview going in about five minutes. Here's all Bach, no bite. Now 
All right, there you go. Let's get this uh, interview going here. Let me give her a call. Hang on. Hi, this is Emily speaking. Emily, this is Mike from Heavy Metal Mayhem. You're on the air. How are you? Good. How are you doing? Hey, I'm doing, how can I be bad? I'm talking to you on a Sunday afternoon. Woo, woo. You have perfect timing. 6.30 on the dot. I know. I don't waste any time. My wife always says that to me. <laughs> I'm very punctual. down there? It's freezing up here. It's, it's, oh, not, not, too, it's not freezing. But... It, it's hard to tell a Canadian, like, you know, oh, we got like two inches of snow on the ground. Because to you, that's probably like the summer. Yeah. No, it's not, it's not too bad. I'm complaining. I'm having apple cider right now. So. Oh, that's good. We're not too the fall. Oh, good. I'm glad. Hey, well, listen, I'm really excited that there's a brand new record out. It's been a couple of years, and uh, a lot of fans are thrilled. Yeah, um, I think uh, I've probably used the word proud far too often with this album, but I, I am. I really am. It's been um, – I'm a little bit ashamed that I hadn't had more to do with it. I missed a lot of the recording sessions with the other guys, but just the, the sound on it, the way it came out, how much time and energy – I mean, it took three years to get the damn thing out so just the, the amount of rehearsal and you know sitting in the studio and being like again again and and having songs and throwing songs out and rewriting songs and changing the key and like we just it was a it was a battle but it was it was a it was a good fight i think so oh, i'm very happy with the record well was it a constant like three years of working on the record i mean because there were other things going on in between i mean did you actually start after the last record starting to prepare for this one as far as songwriting goes I wouldn't say right after. We definitely had some uh, shows and and uh, a little bit of touring, but um, we went into writing not too long after. But it was it was just a long process of reworking, and we kind of you know uh, Devin's vocals have changed the styles a little bit different now. I think overall too we're a little bit more mature. We're, we've kind of found our sound, and we're a lot tighter. We can work well a lot better together so yeah well i mean basically, it was honing those skills well the three of you have been doing this now for quite some time together you have a new bass player that joined up the band with you this year uh it seems like you're plagued with the curse of bass plays yeah yeah we've, we've got the uh, rotating uh conveyor belt of bass players i guess but but you know we, we've known jay for a long time and uh <clears throat> he's just super talented he he gets it and he's he's on the ball with uh rob he actually ended up having to go back to ireland so that was yeah, really the that. only reason he couldn't uh he couldn't carry on is because he just canada sucks and they kicked him out pretty much and they <laughs> went back home so he's got to come through mexico work his way up through the u.s right back into canada again as that's everybody else does it or swim right on over or something <laughs> yeah sneak in that on a crate when you lose a bass play because they get, you know, deported, that's got to be terrible because things are working out and great and like, okay, you got to go. <laughs> yeah, and it's not just that, you know, we we don't only just play music. Like, we're all, all the members that we've had, we've all been really good friends too. So it's it's it was a double whammy. You're losing, yeah, you, you're losing your bandmate, um, but you're also losing a good friend to, to go back home. And you don't really know, like, when's the next time I'm going to be in Ireland and when's the next time he's going to be back here and, True. So yeah, it, it was it was uh it was tough, but we're lucky that we have Jay in filling in now. So that's great. Was was he on the record? Did he was he able to record the album or be part of the recording process? He was actually. He picked it up uh, really quickly. The guys kind of showed him 
the basic idea that they had and we all kind of sat down in the studio and just went from there and if there are any weird spots or you know sometimes we just let them go off and be like yeah that's perfect stick it on yeah. there <laughs> well you know you're you're one of the bands i mean and going, even going back to skull fist that have kind of revitalized that classic traditional power metal that was big you know in the 80s and you guys took it to a whole nother level and you're like the next generation doing this now and carrying it on. I mean, is it difficult, you know, being in a field that they consider to be older, outdated, even though there's probably more fans of traditional metal than, than the newer metal. You think there are more fans of the traditional metal? I, I think so. I mean, you know, like the style of music you're playing, I mean, compared to like, you know, the death metal, the extreme metal and stuff like that. Yeah. I don't know. I guess it's hard to, hard to compare i find a lot of uh a lot of the united states fans like a lot of the newer style metal that kind of lama gaudy style that seems to be pretty popular um but i don't know i i think there's a kind of a misconception that there's this huge awesome metal scene in in canada and there is actually there's a really really amazing strong metal scene in canada but it's not that giant it's kind of like everyone knows everybody and a lot of us have played in bands together with each other and stuff too, and uh, it's uh, it's tight and it's it's strong, but it's not that huge. Um, so I guess you kind of have everybody influences everybody else. So we we all kind of share the same. Oh, have you heard this band? Oh, have you heard this record? And that yeah. passes on. So I guess that that traditional style is it's pretty um, integral. Yeah, I would say so yeah. here at least. Yeah, well, I mean, if you go back to the 70s and 80s, Canada has some great hard rock and heavy metal bands that came up through the underground scene, but Canada is such a big place. It's kind of hard, like, where they're not really so concentrated, where there's, like, a support system for the bands. I mean, like you said, you do support each other, but is there enough of a support system locally to, like, generate enough shows and, and just, like, keep yourself active where you come from without having to travel out? Yeah, well, we, you know, you can't overplay because you've really got your big cities in Canada. You've got... um You've got Vancouver, you've got Montreal, Toronto, Halifax, and that's pretty much it. And between those cities, you've got a lot, whole lot of wheat <laughs> yeah. going out west. So uh, it's a long drive from uh, Toronto to BC to try and find, you know, some big enough cities to to get a big pull in. So that can be tough. It's it's nice to go to somewhere where like Europe, where half of Europe pretty pretty much fits in our province. So we can hit up, <laughs> we can hit up five or six countries in the span that it would take us to to drive across, you know, one or two provinces here. So, is the festivals like the way to go today for bands? I know you just did the Frost and Fire. I mean, I heard it was. I know you had a really, I know you had really bad luck over there. If luck is the word, I mean, you know, getting getting robbed, which is horrible. But I mean, oh, outside yeah. of that, I mean, you have that great festival. And then that happens to you right afterwards. It's got to go from like a high to a low, like real quick. Yeah, honestly, LA was a blast. It was such a good time. Oh, the festival, I I can't even describe it. I, I've done a very poor job of describing to people how much fun it is because I don't have the vocabulary, I don't think. But um, there were a lot of Canadians down there that we knew too, which is great. And just a lot of international friends that flew on over. And uh, it was pretty a homey feeling. And a lot of new faces, a lot of old faces, a lot of bands that, you know, you really want to see. And it, it was so great and went to the beach. And, and then, of course, yeah, it ended with uh, the whole bag getting stolen. So, and you know what? There was nothing in it. The only thing in it that had any value was the car keys. 
that yeah, was that's it. Everything else was like my sunglasses and my swimming suit, you know, was it. Yeah. So. Well, I'm sure to somebody that swimming suit was valuable, but you really need those car keys more than anything else. Yeah, that, that was it, yeah. That was the only thing that, oh, God, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> we got home safe, you know, it could have been a lot worse. We all got home well, safe, and that's all that matters at the end of the day, really. I'm glad for that. You know, mm-hmm. if you go back to the beginning, was Skullfish like your first major band, the first band where it was really like a real band where you were going to make things happen? Yeah, yeah. Well, I pretty much spent the first four years of my drumming life, I guess you could say, playing alone in a basement. Um, I I worked at a recording studio for a little while, just kind of like volunteering. When I was a teenager, so I kind of jammed with some people there and we goofed around and stuff but Skullfish was the real the first real band that I had been in and also like the first real other people that I met that really listened to metal you know I was 17 when I joined the band so it was all pretty new and fresh for me and just learning about bands like Halloween and Dawkins and getting all of this just like what where is this coming from and so <clears throat> yeah that was that was my first uh yeah. For what sure. was that like getting involved in that experience of going into the studio for the first time? Did you realize that like this is like sort of like a business and you got to kind of like, you know, get it down? Oh, yeah, I definitely don't go into the studio unprepared because to me, just record the drums in a day, you know, like <laughs> just do it, get it done. Yeah. Set them up, get the sound, record them. And like, if you know your parts, you know your parts. You can just... uh get it done and no one cares about the drummer they don't want you to take your time anyways they want you in and out and (laughs) take a couple hours and do it uh but at the same time if it wasn't fun i don't think any of us would do it yeah we're serious about it we want it to sound good that's why this record took so long and there was a lot of teeth grinding involved but at the same time you know at the end of the day it's because it's fun and we enjoy it and it's just it's a good feeling it's hard work but it's enjoyable yeah, but that went on for a couple of years before you decided to pack it in and leave. Was it just getting? Was it just like a band member thing, or was it just time to move on? Um, yeah, it does. I don't think it was related to the music at all. I was pretty happy with the music. It was just I think band personalities didn't really work anymore, and uh, <clears throat> just didn't see eye to eye on a lot of stuff. And I felt that I needed to go to kind of a different project and something that suited me better. And I don't want to use the word more mature, but <laughs> just I, uh, we just weren't getting along band mate wise, personality wise, maybe. And yeah, I just wanted to be a little bit more happy with, you know, what I was doing. So that's a common story. It seems to happen a lot. You know, things are great for a while and then personalities just clash, I guess. And people you thought one way turn a different way. And is it hard to pack up and leave? I mean, cause Skullfish had a little bit of notoriety. People know who they were. Now you feel like maybe you're starting over again, or is that like a good thing where, you know, I said, I'm going to start from scratch and build it, you know, the way I want to. Yeah, no, it was, it, it was, it was like a breakup. It was hard. <laughs> it definitely was. But at the same time, I knew that it was what I needed to do. I knew that's what I wanted to do. And um, when I started with Devin in 2011 with Action, um, I'd known Devin for a long time before that as well. And it just came really naturally, you know, for a long time, it was just me and him going to jam spaces and, uh, just jamming out like Kansas songs and Rush songs and and working on a couple originals and goofing around and just having fun. And it really brought the fun of being in a band, even though we weren't a band yet, but kind of bringing that fun of music back. And I was like, okay, this is what I need to do. This is where I need to be. So. Yeah. Uh, but, but then Ken joined not long after that, right? 
Yeah, it was, okay, let's see, probably about a year, a year into action, Kenny came, came, Kenny came around, yeah. Yeah. But he was helping us, he was helping us record the EP, and it was a whole mishmash. We had, uh, we had Inti on guitar, and then we had Jeff on bass, who never, actually, we did never get any photos with Jeff, but then he didn't end up recording, and then we had Chris Riley come in, and then Kenny came in on guitar. It was a, <laughs> we all kind of swapped up. But with action, it, it was really nice because, you know, like I said earlier, we're, we're all friends with everyone. So I think when Kenny and I left Skullfist, it was like a lot of hard feelings and a lot of animosity and just pent up leftover unsaid words and stuff. But when, you know, when members kind of come and go to action, I feel like it's, purely musical or it's just like you know I don't have time or whatever whatever reason but there's never been this like huge friendship breaking apart so that's been really great yeah well you know DP two albums you know five years later that's a lot I mean and you've kind of done it all on your own everything's been independent Uh, like the band you mean independently yeah the band yeah yeah, well, we were signed for the last record. Um, this one, we are going to uh, do most of the uh, sales ourselves, but we do have a uh, label for like Japan and Korea and all that. We can't really announce it just yet who we're signed with, but yeah, those are, those guys will um, ship it out to that kind of that side of the world. But we're gonna we're gonna handle this one on our own, so it's pretty cool so far. Yeah. Is that the way to go today for a band? I mean, we don't have the labels like we used to have where, you know, the money is in, the support is there. It seems to be mostly distribution today. Like you, like you were just saying, with Japan and other places, you kind of need them for that. But is it possible for a band to do it all on their own, or do you kind of need some help from the outside? Yeah, that's that's a really tough question, and I think it's something we juggle with a lot because you have to wonder, like, how much will I sell on my own versus how much will I sell with the help of a label who's going to promote it? you know, how much assistance are they going to be able to do in terms of promotion? And are we going to have any financial benefit from this? Can we shoot a music video? Can we record another album with the money? And like, how much cut are they going to take? And it, it, it comes down into dollars and business management. And it's, it's, it's a tough call. So we kind of, I guess we're taking a bit of a risk doing it on our own this way. But I think overall, we're, we were more comfortable to try this one on our own. And I guess, kind of see what happens. Yeah. Well, I mean, as a band member, you've come up through the internet age, with, you know, with social media and sites like, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Reverb Nation and Bandcamp and CD Baby. I mean, this mm-hmm. is the new norm for business today. I mean, does all the internet help out the band in any way? Or does it kind of like really not do anything anymore? Because it's like so overwhelmed with bands. Sorry, what, what was the last part? I was saying, you know, like social media is such a big player today in music for bands, but is it so oversaturated that it's actually detrimental to a band or harder for a band to get noticed, even a band with a name for themselves? Ooh, um, no, I think social media helps a lot, actually. Um, You know, like even you see yourself getting tagged in a photo on Facebook from some show at some bar, and you're like, whoa, that's so awesome. Like that person actually thinks that I'm photo worthy to put on their, like, you know, on their wall or something (laughs) or an Instagram photo or or anything. They share your YouTube link or, you know, they share like a photo of themselves with the record. I definitely think it's helpful. I mean, I think we don't, because we're so small, we don't have to worry so much about downloads, you know, like people ripping off the album and and you know what, like if one or two people are going to be ripping it and, and sharing it and whatever, it's not a big deal, but, uh, 
get you got to get the music out there, you know. But yeah. we want people to come to the shows and we want people to come and hang out with us and have a good time. So yeah. and, and, you know, it, it must like you said, it must feel good when you do see people post the stuff about you and your band, you know, on the internet, especially like during the downtime when you're like, you know, kind of like laying low and behind the scenes recording and working on things, and you're not pushing the promotional button, and then you see people posting it. Does it make you say, you know, people remember who we are? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I had someone just the other day said they were in a uh, like a metal market. I think it was in Austria, and they're like, "Yeah, I just picked up like the Wild Racer album." I was like, "Oh my god, that's so cool!" It just you know, it ended up there somehow. <laughs> One of our distro, yeah. you know, uh, things, and it's and ended up out there. And this guy just picked it up, and he sent me a p- picture of him with it, and I was like, "That was actually awesome!" Like, I don't know, it's cool. I'm I'm down with the social media. It's amazing how global things have become and how easy it is with the internet. I mean, compared to, you know, years ago when you had to put cassettes in envelopes and mail them out and do things that way. You click a button today and somebody in the smallest part of the world can hear what everybody else can hear in a big major city. It's incredible. Yeah, God, I think about that. Or, like, if I want to book a show, sometimes I can, like, text someone in Quebec and be like, hey, do you have any shows that, you know, that we could catch up on? And they're like, oh, yeah, I've got one in July, you know? (laughs) Yeah. It's just, if, uh, yeah, it, it's definitely crazy. People don't even talk anymore most of the time. Everything is done through text and emails today. You don't have to physically see a person or talk to them. And you can pretty much line up all tour and everything else. It's incredible. Yeah. Maybe next time we'll have to do a text, uh, live radio text <laughs> chat. <laughs> that would be good. Well, I have to tell you, when you were talking about photo worthy and stuff, I have a fan of yours in my chat room, Eamon O'Connor. I don't think you have a bigger fan out there. I think not only did you make his night, but probably the rest of his year. What's that? <laughs> uh, you have a fan in my chat room called Iman. This guy okay. is your biggest fan in the world. He is like dying that you're on the show tonight. <laughs> like my personal fan or action fan. Well, a, a little bit of both probably. <laughs> uh, well, hopefully both. <laughs> yes, ab- no, absolutely both, without a doubt. He promotes your band personally, I think, more than anybody else could. Damn, well, we're going to have to meet in person one day. I guess we'll have to come, come down there. Uh, yeah, yeah, that would be great. <laughs> we love that. Do a show. It's hard for us Canadians to get across the border, though. It's it's tough. Going to Europe's no problem. I can. I'm a lefty, right? So I bring my pedals on the plane, and you know, no big deal. My snare, you know, my cymbals, and then going across the border, it's like, okay, get the visas. Da, 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 da. It's just, it's tough. You would think it'd be so much easier considering that we're neighbors. We're right next to each other. You know, yeah, it'd be a lot I know. God. so much trouble for bands to get here. And is this something but, with the U.S. where they require just too many things from a band? Yeah, no, it's the same for Canada, actually. Um, there was a uh, show last summer with Loudness, and they were coming over. And they were coming to Toronto as one of the tour dates. Everyone here was really excited. And they got turned back to Japan at the Canadian border because they had the paperwork not enough paperwork or not the right paperwork and it's just like it's ridiculous you have to have the exact right visa and you have to be part of like the canadian music federation and the american music federation oh my god it's just if you forget one thing or you exclude one tour date and they find out you're staying one day longer than you actually are they cannot let you in it's just, oh it's, it's brutal it, it, it sounds like it's just another hurdle to get over the truck i mean you guys just couldn't like like drive into the u.s and play a show without them knowing that you were going to play a show Technically, you could, yeah, you could just kind of cross, but the only thing is if they catch you, then that's the seven-year ban, which nobody wants wow. to uh, Nobody wants to deal with that, yeah. 
Like, if things aren't hot enough, let's just throw another monkey wrench into it and make it even more difficult. Oh, yeah, and it comes out to, like, about two grand. If it's your first visa, it's about two grand or something. So, I mean, you take a, a local small town, not small town, but local band that's not, we're not making hundreds of thousands of dollars on this or anything, right? And here's a two yeah. grand thing on top of your car rental and your instrument rental and your hotel fee and da 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 And it's like, holy shit. So you really want to lose the money sometimes. Yeah, you're not in it to make the big bucks anymore, that's for sure. Yeah, but you you also don't want to spend so much out of pocket to go do what you do best, and that's play your music. Yeah, exactly. Like I said, we do it only we do it because we love it, you know. Yeah. It's an you addiction. I I thought about it before. Like I I had a long hard sit down sometimes because you know there's those days where you have like the just really long days and like you drum where I drum whatever so hard and you're working so hard and sometimes you feel you like you're at a standstill and then you realize like I couldn't I couldn't give it up like I, it's actually like an addiction you just can't tell yourself to turn it off and say I'm over it I'm done it's like even if this band for whatever reason ended like I wouldn't you can't just stop it's totally an addiction yeah I can imagine well anything going on with Phantom uh. yeah we're gonna be heading down to uh Chicago next uh May for Ragnarokka yeah that's a great festival great one yeah yeah action played that uh 2014 if I can remember correctly um, and that was great. We got to see uh, Riot play that year, which was excellent. I was super impressed with the singer. Loved it. And um, anyways, <clears throat> we're going to be getting into the studio, hopefully this winter, record the next record, and kind of go from there, I guess. Ah, uh, that's going to be great. So, what, I mean, you know, the new album is, is out. Uh, anything going up on, with that? You, you got shows lined up, tours, anything coming up, or are you going to kind of wait till the new year? Uh, with Action? Yes. Uh, we I can't really announce anything official yet, but I could vaguely say that we will be in Europe this summer, <laughs> which okay. I'm super excited about because we weren't there. We haven't been there since 2014, so it's it's it felt way too long. I can't believe it's only been that you know short of a time. Yeah. But you find that the crowds are better over there. A lot of people really like going over there to play. I think the crowd, it's, you know, here it's kind of like a Friday night fun time. And over there, it's like a lifestyle. You know, if you don't have, if you don't have a patch on your vest, you're, who are you? What are you doing at this? You know, like (laughs) I've seen like hats, capes and patch, uh, anything, hats, shirts, like, oh God. And it's, it's, it's kind of like a badge of honor. Like I know this band. I know every record by this band. Uh, Why else would I have this patch? You know, it's like, whew, it's kind of intimidating. (laughs) But it is. It's really a lifestyle. It's really, um, yeah. It, it's it's people are so much more. I I, I don't want to say more dedicated because I've met some very very dedicated North American fans, of course. But uh, I guess we also have the volume out there. You know, we just don't, especially back home here, we don't really have the population. Like we don't have the the fan base that's as wide. But there, it's just like, you know, Vakin is like eighty thousand people. I know. It's incredible. I mean, with the internet today, there's so many tools available to you. Do you kind of like know where your fan base is and try to concentrate in that area? Or do you kind of like see where the weaknesses are, where people just haven't heard about it yet and try to get the band's name heard over there? Hmm, I don't know if if we really have a strategy. That sounds like a good one. Maybe I'll steal it from you, but... (laughs) That's okay. Um, I guess we rely a little bit on our fans too you know they're for them to share and talk about us and and uh any opportunity we have to you know 
magazine or interview or anything, you know, we'll, we'll always jump on that. Um, and just lots of sharing and I think a lot of word of mouth, really. That still is the best I kind of hope you know? that we're, yeah, I hope we're, that we're good enough that someone is wanting to tell other people, be like, oh, guys, look at this record. You know, I hope we're good enough for word of mouth because, you know, and, and I guess, uh, you know, Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, that kind of is the new word of mouth in a sense because you can send it to someone across the ocean and say, check this out. Here's a link to the whole album. Listen to it, you know? Yeah, and you did put the whole album up for streaming not long ago. Yeah, we did. We put it up for 48 hours just to give everyone a little teaser and see if, you know, they wanted to kind of commit to buy. So it seemed to have a pretty good response. I was really happy with uh, a lot of the messages we got and a lot of comments. And so we're very happy. You should be. Well, you know what? Back in time is out now. You're always going to get good word of mouth on this show because we're big, big fans. And we're going to keep promoting the hell out of this for you, Emily. And I, and I can't thank you enough for taking out the time today to come on and talk with me. And we're going to get some music on off the new record. Thank you so much. Uh, it's my pleasure. You guys have a great time. I'm going to try to get up to Chicago to see you guys when you come down, and uh, with Phantom anyway, and, and see you play live. That is a great festival. Hopefully, actually, we'll be, be back awesome. there again soon. It would be great. Okay, cool. Well, thanks so much for the opportunity to chat with you. It was awesome. It's my pleasure, Emily. You have a great night. Take care now. Yeah, you too. Thanks. Bye-bye. Miss Emily Ann from Action and Phantom and back in the day, Skull Fist. Let's get on some Highway Nights.
brand new Herman Frank from The Devil Rides Out. The song is called Shout. Sounds really good, man. This is his third solo record. I think he had one out in 2012, and then I think Lord to None, his first one, came out in 2009. So I, I know he was saying, like, when he was in Accept, I guess he felt kind of marginalized because, you know, Wolf Hoffman is the main songwriter and the leader of the band. And I guess, you know, he just didn't have much to say in what was going on, and he wanted to walk on his own. So he created some great music over there. Whether it pans out live for him, who knows, except the, uh, playing, you know, in front of pretty big crowds these days and full houses. So good luck with that. I believe we're going to have Herman on the show next month. I have to check the calendar to see uh, what's coming up in November. But I know Chuck Billy will be on here the first week of uh, December. My good friend Danny Knight from Crown of Thorns will be on here. We have a few other guests lined up. We're going to try to ease out of the year with a little less interviews and a lot more music. That's what the plans are right now. We'll have to see. But, uh, Emily, what a really nice kid to talk to. You know, I feel like I'm getting really old here when you see these young people on the show. But you know what? It's great that they're keeping this alive. So when I'm a really old man, I know there's going to be some great heavy metal music out there for us to listen to. All right. What can we do now? We got Paul Logue from Eden's Curse in about 10 minutes. And, uh... Dushan Petrosi, we recorded that interview during the week. He was like really late to, to the interview, so we kind of kept it to like five or six minutes because I just didn't have the time to talk to him. But we'll close out the show with that quickie and uh, we'll wrap it up here. The next week is the last week of the month. I can't believe October is almost over. We have our Halloween Spooktacular this Thursday on the Metal Matinee. It's, you know, it's not the Metal Matinee anymore. It's the Holiday Matinee now because we don't do it at holiday time. And we're wrapping up the month with Clay T from Night Legion. Uh, Stu Marshall from Death Dealer. Uh, he's the new guitar player for Night Legion. as his band, but he's got something going on in Australia that morning and he couldn't make it. So Clay T, the drummer, is going to be filling in next week. And Greg May from Tyrant will be on the show. So it's a great way to close out the month of October. All right, let me see what I could do for you right now. Before we uh, talk to Paul, how about we do some... I know I had a couple of new songs up tonight. We did Herman. We did Grim Reaper. I don't remember what the other one was. I'll have to take a look and find out. But you know what? Let's do some Phantom Lord. No, we did that last week, didn't we? Yes, we did. All right, you know what? We're going to go into some... Uh, I don't know. I, I had all these new songs lined up tonight. I know I had some New Testament up here. And some other stuff, I just can't find it. But I know Iman will be happy about this. Here's Eternal Champion, Blood Ice.
You know, I hate the way these songs get cut off, you know, on the CD. You know, it kills me. <laughs> Same thing before when I played Eternal Champion. You know, that was like the intro to the song that came afterwards. But with the CD, they end. It's like the old days of the records where they go into one another. And you would think after eight years of doing the show, I would know better and then have both songs, you know, wind up back to back to play where they get cut off. But I just get so busy and I forget sometimes. But that was Kubla Khan. The song is called Passing Away. It's off the record Annihilation from back in 1987. That was actually ripped from the, the vinyl of that record. Uh, and Greg Hand, is Greg Handelfeld, I think was his name. Uh, he played guitar mega that I think for like maybe a year in 83 to 84. I don't believe he did any recording with the band at all. But that album sounds so much like Megadeth. It's not even funny. Especially the vocals, you know, which is Greg on vocals also. You think he would kind of change it up a little bit, not play off the Megadeth thing, but he kind of did. All right, you know what? We're going to get that interview with Paul Logan in a few minutes. How about we get on some brand new Eden's Curse? We'll go right into that. Here's Rome's on Fire.
Hi, Mike. Paul, how are you today? I am rocking and rolling, brother. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing great. Hey, if you're rocking and rolling, we all should be. <laughs> Pour me another one. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, it's good to have you on here today, man. I have to tell you, big fan for so many years. And, you know, you guys did it again with Cardinal. Thank you very much, brother. Thank you. Um, it's, it's, always, it's always a pleasure and a relief to hear that. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, after all these years and, and all the music you put out, do you still worry when you put a record out how you know fans are going to react? Oh, of course, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I think I think if you put it in the context of um, a little painter sitting in his house painting a picture and he goes, and the wife comes upstairs, what, what do you think of this? There's, there's always a chance somebody says, that sucks, brother. So the music, the music is absolutely no different. Um, I I'm now at the stage where I'm a little bit more comfortable with what we do as a group and the the level of abilities that we have, not only as songwriters but producers and everything else that comes with the territory. That it's it's a little bit easier, but you still have that dreaded moment that when it goes out to the press, how will the press react? How will the the fans, and they're the most important part, to be honest. And I do appreciate that a lot of the press are fans. You're you're not all gutter snipe. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're you're good guys and, and and fans at the heart of it. And that's always that's always quite a, a little nervy period. But um, Eden's Curse has been very blessed in her short career to always have had kind of good reviews in the majority. I don't think we've ever had an album um, that's truly and utterly bombed. You know, so it's. Yeah. it's we're just blessed in that department, but it gets harder every time, Mike, to, to, to better it because I always feel that we take step forwards um, with each album previous and um, we try some new things and we wonder if we're going to fall flat on our face and they, they work in the main for us. So the, the, the barrier is always raised higher and um, this time around, again, it was a case of just taking as much time as we needed to, to get the songs just absolutely ticking every box and more so than ever because um, Symphony of Sin we just loved and, and having Nick on board now, being able to write for him and do everything that comes with that just gave us another whole you know, felt as if you had two arms you've now grown a third Yeah. So um, yeah, great, I'm pleased that everybody's liking it, yep I mean, definitely, you know, a, a little different sounding band from when Michael was, you know, on vocals. And that's mm-hmm. naturally going to happen when a new singer comes in. But yet, it, it still has that Eden's Curse sound. That vibe is still there. It's just yep. expanding into different horizons. I, mean, I think for the better. If I, yep. I hate to say that because everything was great with Michael on there. But I think the band's at a whole new level over the last couple of years. Yeah, and, 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 and I always say that um, I'm very proud of what we achieved with Michael, but, you know, I've, I've produced all of the vocalists that we've ever had in the band. You don't need to tell me what they can do and what they can't do. I know what they can do and what they can't do. Yeah. And, um, I mean, for me, it's, 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 it's just a non-contest, really. I loved Michael's voice, but Nicola, to me, is, is different class. He's absolutely different class. That guy can sing, can sing and has sung anything that I've given him. Um, and... It's, it's opened a whole load of doors that we can explore as writers that, that just weren't open before. Um, and um, amazing. I mean, he can sing anything from kind of Journey esque AOR right up to some kind of Symphony X heavy type double bass power metal tune. So, and with consummate ease, you know. 
Absolutely. I mean, like earlier before you were saying, you know, you still get a, that little tinge when people are going to, you know, review albums and write them. I mean, years ago, if, if they didn't like an album that a band put out, it seemed to be a lot kinder and more gentle. It was just like, well, it's not my cup of tea. And yeah. with other people today, it's just so vicious and yeah. so mean. And it's not the fans. It's the people that don't like the band, but then, you know, just don't say anything. But they're just a real mean society today. Yeah, and I think, I think I mean, I think the way that our world is in terms of everything being social media, I mean, yeah, I mean it's, it's one of these things. Who really cares what your next-door neighbour's eating for their dinner? I mean, honestly, <laughs> I, I don't give a jack's ass what they've got on their plate, and I don't always want to know what their opinion is on every record. You know, it's great for, if you think of the olden days when you and I were growing up, we would go to the record store, you would yeah. hear from somebody at school that, well, there's a new album out by Rainbow. Is it any good? Of course it's good. Go and buy it. And that was word of mouth, and it spread that way. Your your rock music news, you used to wait for every kind of month when a magazine was yeah. issued. You know, it was it was a month old by the time you picked up, but you'd no clue. So it was a different it was a different world then. And and you're right, people, you know, you'd a lot more respect. Even if you were a, a young kid in the street and you're making too much noise, all it needed was the window to open and your neighbour. <laughs> Your neighbour to shout, I'll just tell your father. Jeez, That's right. I mean, that, 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 was as, that was as bad as getting a, 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 a belt to the ass. You were up the road hiding from your dad in case you spoke. So it's, the world is completely different now, you know, yeah. completely different. And uh, I think I think what you have to do, you, you always have a thick skin as a musician. I think definitely nowadays you, you have to have a, a thicker skin. And the way that I deal with that is I don't read everything. That's out there because I don't, I don't really feel the need to read everything, and I don't read too much into the great reviews, and that way I, I won't get too upset when the bad ones comes because they're always going to happen. You know, one day your mum's going to climb the stairs and tell you that your painting sucks. You've just got to suck it up and get on with it. Yeah. That that really is true. I mean, the internet is like that double-edged sword where it has this good, like it says, where instantaneously. You can get your music out, I mean, all over the world. Where mm. back then you have to mail out a tape and it would take three weeks for somebody to hear what you were doing. Yeah. That's, but and the bad thing is that it kind of takes the, the mystery or the mystique out of a band. You know, especially when they come on to play live. You didn't know what that band was going to look like, sound like, mm. what kind of show. Now you go on That's YouTube true. and before you see the band live, you know everything that they do. And, yeah. and, but is, it, is the internet still really better for bands than not having it? I think so. I mean, even even if you take this band into the, the equation, I mean, we wouldn't exist without the, the use of the, the internet. I mean, that's really how we formed, was, was just as a studio project, and it took off from there. So I think that you've you've got to pretty much embrace it um, because it is the one of the most amazing, powerful promotional tools at your disposal if you know how to work it properly. And, and you know, the best advice I can give young up-and-coming bands is go and learn, school yourself, do some research, read some books, read some, you know, blogs, whatever it is. We've all got these mobile PCs in our hands now. We can sit in a bus and, you know, you educate ourselves. So you know, just putting your album out there on the, the internet and expecting everybody to suddenly come to it isn't the way that it works. You've got to be proactive. You've got to get your product out at different times and, and make sure people are seeing it and and kind of um, spread the word, really. So it's, it's it's something that is so powerful. In fact, if people really knew how to use the web and Facebook and all the social media, we pretty much wouldn't need record labels in a short time. But we don't, and that's, that's the thing. A lot of it's 
kept in mystery and shrouded in secrecy that it takes time and effort and it's actually just maybe one post is one that blows up and you try the next one that doesn't work and it's finding out all of those reasons behind it how can I get to different levels and when we went out with Dream Theatre I did two shows with them here I always remember James Labrie saying to me you guys kick ass you're a great band you've got great songs you look great you just now need to get out and play in front of as many people as you can. So the live part of it is so, so important to it as well that, that that's a great opportunity for us to climb up the ladder. Um, even even if I take when Symphony X landed here in my hometown, I went along to see them. I had no idea the two support bands that were, were um, supporting, never heard either of them. And one I didn't really take to, and the second one blew me completely away. And I went and bought their album and T-shirt, um, and and now now a, a fan of that band. So that's still an area that you can get to as well to try and build an audience and promote your music. So you've just got to embrace the way it is now. Yeah, I like you're saying, getting out there and playing live is the way to go. I mean, geographically, is it more difficult when you come from certain areas of the world? It is, but it's not as difficult as it used to be, you know, having Mike flying all across the Atlantic. You know, that was that was uh, a massive strain on the, um, the, the the kind of finances of the band, um, and it meant shows were pretty much limited. I mean, I've I've got Nicola an hour and a half away on a flight, and pretty much everybody within the same kind of time frame. Um, but we, we all we all are busy. We all have kind of things to do, and and that's the thing with Eden's Curse is we prepare. Um, very much in advance, you know, we've picked our set that we're going out to do our UK tour in November. We picked our set four months ago, so we're very, very well rehearsed and we've got the technology to be able to give everybody versions of the songs minus their instruments, so we all rehearse at home. So it's just a different environment as to walking into the, the local rehearsal room and banging out the tunes and maybe it adds to the mystique, I don't know, all of these different melting pot of upbringings and influences, maybe that's what constitutes to make our sound, who knows, who knows. So we, we don't we don't um, look upon it in a negative way now, it's just, it is what it is and we just got on with it. Yeah, do you think it's better actually that band members aren't that close together because it keeps a lot of the fighting at bay? <laughs> well actually my wife's, keen, my, my wife's quite happy about it, imagine these guys been on your door every night. <laughs> And that's true. I mean, I, I was in I was in a local band for ten years, and having the guys hanging out here was cool. When you're kind of eighteen, nineteen, yeah. when you get to thirty, and you've got a kid and a wife, you're like, ah, dude, piss off, go home. <laughs> um, you know, it doesn't really work like that anymore. So for me, I mean, this group really started as a songwriting project for me. I was writing for other artists, and it was guys like Dennis Ward were saying to me, dude where the hell are you getting these songs from? Um, I said, you, you, you've got to do something with us. And and that was the catalyst for me to get back into the game and start to, to get a band together. So it gave me an avenue to get my songs out there. I had absolutely no idea um, it was going to sell as well as it did. And suddenly, you know, Michael Eden and I turned around and said, shit, what are we going to do now? Well, we better do a second one. And it just took off from there. So... Um, it's 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 really helped me as a musician and as a person, and and it's probably made my life a lot better um, for it. Yeah, is that when you decided to make this into a full time band after the second coming? Well, um, good question. I think really, I think really once we'd met each other in Germany for the photo shoot on the first one and got a record deal, 
we, we just said, let's let's see where it's going to go because we had no operations of playing live. Our goal was quite simple at that point, just to get a record out. And the next thing we hear, it's in the charts in Japan and it sold 10,000 copies. And we're thinking, oh my God, um, we just had no idea what was going to happen. And at that point, we talked about, could could we do this live? And at that point, you can tell being involved in the production aspect that these guys are all serious players. I mean, we'd... Thorsten's just unbelievable. You know, Pete came from Grim Reaper. We had Ferdy Durenberg from Axel Rudy Pell. It was maybe just Mike and myself who were the least experienced um, in that regards. But we knew that these guys had the chops. Um, and then the following year, when we did the second coming, we got the opportunity through our US label, Metal Mayhem, at the time, had decided to financially back us and get us out on, on tour with Stratovarius. That we said, okay, this is a serious shit now. We've now got to go out and prove it on, on the live stage. Um, so, yeah, it was a kind of defining moment for us. I don't think if we didn't get the support from Metal Mayhem, I think the future could have been quite different, to say the least. Yeah. I mean, the band's been with AFM for quite some time. I mean, oh, yeah, does, yeah. It, does it help having a label today backing the band up, or, or or the label's just irrelevant today? I mean, any label. No, they 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 are they are so huge in our um, our story that I think our relationship is is at the best it's ever been. It's, it, it's just so good with each other now. I mean, even two days ago, they 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 agreed to finance a tour for us in in Germany in February coming. So, and, and I'm talking about putting some serious money towards that. So, they're constantly supporting us. They they give us great budgets for our records. It was the biggest production we've ever done yet. Um, with an orchestra and a choir and everything on it and Liv Christine from Leaves Eyes we went over to Germany, did drums with Dennis so this was the biggest Eden's Curse Sonic production we've ever undertaken uh, they bankrolled the whole thing we, it's the biggest art project we've ever done it's got a triple gatefold digipack looks absolutely amazing so you know, we've never been in a better place with AFM. They're throwing money left, right, and centre at the band. And the the main point is, is they like us as people. They like how we run our business. They're keen on um, the our ethos, and they love the songs. You know, they're real fans of Eden's Curse, and that's such an an amazing thing to have behind you. There's not once I've ever been asked in ten years with AFM to give them a demo for the new album, and I did query it once and then I thought about it that could have really blew up in your face there Paul why did you ask that question and the, the, the label manager was quite cool he said well you're not going to give me a Nine Inch Nails album next are you and I said fair point Yeah. so he says I just let you guys be Eden's curse and you, you always deliver for me I don't need to worry about you I thought, wow, that's 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 quite a lot. That's 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 really cool to hear that from a label. It is. That's a big thing because if you remember years ago, I mean, labels assigned bands based on what they were doing and what they were starting, and then as soon as they signed to the label, the label wanted to change everything about the band. Absolutely, to make yeah. Exactly what they weren't, and but yep. you had the money, the backing, but you weren't who you wanted to be. You had yeah, to be who wanted you to be. You know, and I, and I hear from some of my contemporaries who are signed to other labels that go about that they have to give. The label a demo of every every song that goes on every album and the label writes back and says yeah this is acceptable, no that one's not and I'm thinking no way, I just wouldn't entertain that, I would just, I tell the label we'll give you the album on whatever date we agree between each other and that's it, it's handed over and I've never had a complaint yet True, I and mean, look 10 years, the band is 10 years old this year, 5 records 
that's pretty impressive when you think about that output. That's like every other year. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. You know, every yeah, every kind of two years, and uh, to have a double live um, as well. Which, which to be honest, I mean, I think at the time we we would love to have done a, a DVD, but when we started looking at the costs, I thought, Jesus, I could put the band on the road for two years, that amount of money. And, um, you know, every kind of DVD that I own for some of my favourite bands are recorded in front of massive audiences. You know, who's who's going to want to watch Eden's Curse in front of 500, 600 people in a, a stinking club in Glasgow? No one. So it's got to be, for us, the right... It's got to be the right occasion to do that. It's definitely on our bucket list. But at the same time, our label, again, AFM, said, well, you know, a lot of bands are doing double live CDs. Would you would you do that? I said, sure, yeah, that gives us a chance to let the guys in North America and Japan and South America and all these countries that follow us hear the band live that have never seen us. And, you know, you can kind of escape into your own little private Eden's Curse show. And, again, we get such a excuse me, a huge positive outpouring of response when we appointed Nicola with so many people asking us to, to record the old albums. And that's as much work as actually recording a brand new record. You know, you've not got the writing of it, but to go into a studio to record 12 songs from scratch again with Nicola on vocals is it's just a, a massive undertaking. People don't understand how much work that involves. And we said, well, let's let's record a show and see how it turns out. And it turned out great. And thank God, because, you know, I don't know if I'm ever going to get to see you here in, in, in the U.S. I'm hoping it can happen, but take the live record is the next best thing. Yeah, and that's, that's, that's just one of those things, isn't it? You know, we, we don't have interest from, from the U.S. We, we did one show in 2010 out in Illinois, which was um, for Melodic Rock Fest. Yeah. Um, but other than really, you know, Prog Power, who had never really seemed interested in Eden's Curse, we, we don't know of any other kind of main avenues that are bringing European bands out. So I don't I don't fret too much about it, Mike. We just continue to do what we do, and I believe our opportunities will come. If it's not to be in America, it's not to be, but... We still sell records out there, and we've got a lot of great fans. So, you know, we, we'll always keep you guys in the forefront of our mind because we interact with everybody on a daily basis on Facebook and Twitter and things. So we, we can never not forget about you guys. So things like the live album are for you guys, and we'll definitely do, um, you know, um, some kind of DVD in the future. We've actually got quite a lot of people emailing us at the moment. We did four videos from the live record. We never actually recorded it on film, um, as I said before, because of the cost of it. But the, the, the fella who actually recorded it said to me, I've got two cameras. I know that you're, you're not recording a DVD, but I'm going to run them anyway. I'll keep one fixed and I'll, I'll just follow whoever's singing or whatever. And we'll see how they turn out. And, and they turned out really, really well. It is only a two camera shot. Uh, and we put four of them out on YouTube to promote the live album. So we're getting a lot of people saying, have you got the entire show? And we do, and it's in that quality. So we will, I think, at some point, you know, I'll have that chat with AFM and see if we can sit down and look at maybe bringing that out in what format. It would have to be under the guise of a bootleg because I don't want to sell people short and say it's a live Eden's Curse DVD. It's not. It's, you know, if I'm doing it, I'm doing it with eight cameras and above the drums, there's no drum shots above the kit or anything like that. There's no major close-ups of the drummer or the keyboard player, but everybody else is in really, really good, high-quality HD footage. So... And of course, we've got Dennis's mixes there as well from the album. So we'll have a look at that. If it's if it works, it works. If it doesn't, 
we'll maybe bring a few more of them out on YouTube for people to enjoy. Yeah. Well, listen, as a bass player myself, I don't think the camera needs to be in any other member of the band but us. So, I mean, <laughs> that's just my personal opinion. But I know they get a little jealous, especially the guitar players and singers. Yeah, if, if only we believed that, mate. <laughs> you've never you've never been a good liar. <laughs> not at all. Hey, listen, Paul, I'm not going to keep you. I, I do appreciate you talking with us today. Cardinal is out now on AFM Records. I have to say, I know a lot of bands say this is our best record yet, but this actually really is. And that's saying a lot, considering all the other ones were phenomenal records. Thank you very much, mate. We 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 are so proud of it. Um, it took a lot of time to write it. We put a lot of care and attention and blood, sweat and tears. And I mean, there's some some of you know the songs on it. I I think personally are some of the best songs I've ever written and we've written as a band. And definitely the hardest set of songs we've ever played. I mean, Thorsten pushed us technically in a lot of areas. He he kind of took some of the areas and working with a new keyboard player who's a phenomenal addition as is our drummer, John Cleland. Um, it just all came together. And, you know, I'm sitting rehearsing these songs for the tour and there's a couple of them I can barely just about play. So <laughs> it tells me that we've we've upped the ante in all departments and that's great. That keeps things on the edge for the live show. Um, you know, we'll be very, very well prepared as we always do in November and we, we can't wait to to go out and start playing songs like Sell Your Soul and Find My Way and, and Jericho. Oh, my God, I love that song. So we, we can't wait to really blast these in people's faces and, and keep growing. Just do what we do, and hopefully our ship will come in one day. I'm sure it will. Paul, the best of luck, man. Have a great time out on tour next month, and hopefully we'll talk again real soon. Thank you, my friend. Always a pleasure talking to you. Thank Take you, care. Paul. Take care.
Man, I tell you, I love Venus Curse. What a great band. If you haven't picked up that record, you need to do so right now. All right, we have one more interview left with Iron Mask. Uh, this one was pre-recorded the other day. Uh, this one was really late to this interview, uh, so it's only about 10 minutes long, and we kind of rushed through it and uh, just to get it over with, to be honest with you. When somebody has me sitting around for 20 minutes, the last thing I want to do is like have a really great interview. I'm kind of pissed off that I'm waiting that long. But it does happen sometimes. We'll get that on in a few minutes. Uh, before that, uh, you know, a few weeks ago, Rich Ward from Fozzie was talking about how, what a dick Scott Ian is. Now, I met Rich a couple of times over the years, and he's really one of the nicest guys. Whether he's in a rush or can't be bothered, you would never know because he does treat all of his fans and people that want to talk to him with a lot of respect. And he's always there to shake your hand and take a picture with a smile. Uh, and he was talking about how Scott Ian is such a dick for not doing stuff like that, that he had some kind of running with him, I guess, you know, years before. It was on Brave Words of Blabbermouth. You can read the whole thing. But uh, there was an article the other day, or maybe it was today I saw it, that uh, Scotty was saying they should have gave Joey Belladonna another chance, you know, before they fired him for the first time in the band, you know, years ago. And Scott says the problem was that, you know, I write all the lyrics and he wasn't conveying my messages like the way I wanted to. And, you know, I wasn't hearing him singing my words the way I, I have them written down. And because of that, they fired him, which is the most moronic thing in the world that I've ever heard of before in my life. He used to like my emotions weren't being conveyed or the intensity of my lyrics weren't being, you know, conveyed. So that's why they kind of fired Joe Belladonna. Now, I don't know what lyrics he's talking about. Is it the lyrics for Indians or Medusa or Caught in Homage. I don't know how deeply intense those lyrics are that they weren't being conveyed the right way by Joey Belladonna. Or maybe it was the lyrics to, you know, uh, I'm the law. <laughs> you know, is it I'll steal your pop tarts like I stole your socks? I guess Joey wasn't singing that with the conviction that Scott wrote it with. So he had to be canned to that, you know. <laughs> it makes no sense to me. But he did say in an interview a while back that if Joey Belladonna ever left the band, it would be the end of Anthrax. I'm praying to God that Joey leaves so we can fucking put that atrocity to bed once and for all because they are the biggest dicks in the world. I mean, I don't want to say about all of them. It's just basically Charlie and Scott. You know, the rest of the guys have no say. Frank is a real sweetheart of a guy, I think. Uh, but those two are such pricks. I mean, I don't know how a band can have that kind of popularity when two of the members are so hated. It's just beyond me. I, I really don't know. <laughs> All right. Uh, let me see. What did we do before? We played Herman Frank before. Uh, great album. Uh, except to have a new live record coming out, Restless and Live. It's kind of funny that that comes on the heels of Udo Dirkschneider's live record, uh, you know, which we had on. We had Udo on last week. He put out a live record of all classic Accept tunes. Now Accept are doing the same thing. Me personally, not a big fan of live albums. I don't need to buy another record of songs I have, you know, on record with a band playing them live, but they don't really sound the same or they've been docked it up so much that kind of really doesn't even matter anymore, but a lot of bands put them out because they're pretty cheap to do, and uh, hopefully they'll hit some sales on them. That's the way that goes. All right, let's get on some Raven, then we'll get on that interview with Iron Mask right after this.
Boy, you know, John can still hit those notes today, man. I tell you, it doesn't sound any different than it did back in the 70s and 80s. All right, let's get on the interview with Iron Mask. I recorded that a few days ago. Uh, it's a quickie, 10 minutes, you know, uh, not one of our best ones, uh, due to the fact that he was very late calling in, but here you go. Hello. Deshaun, how are you? Sorry, I'm, I'm a bit late. I was in traffic. I'm very sorry. That's okay. No problem. As long as you can hear me, we're good. Thank you. Thank you. I'm good. I'm, I hope you're good also, man. Yeah, I can hear you fine. How's everything over there? Oh, it's nice. I'm very busy. Uh, you know, I'm uh, building a new studio here. I'm uh, working uh, every day hard. It's always good to be busy and working hard in the music business today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's always good. Yes. Good. Hey, listen. Great job on the new Iron Mask record. I mean, yeah. you guys deliver every time. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. That's. I'm okay. happy you like it. And it's, uh, it was uh, it's a nice, nice album. It was really exciting to make it. Yeah, uh, you know, with the new record, you know, comes a new singer. I mean, how are things working out with that? Oh, you know, uh, after two albums with Mark Balls. Uh, we just realized it was more and more difficult to, you know, to get on the road with him, and uh, you know, business-wise uh, with music now, it's uh, it's not like uh, in the old days. It's it's a bit difficult, you know, you know, to get uh, more money for flights, and uh, you know, every promoter is more difficult, and you know, we we sell also a bit less uh, than uh, ten years ago, twenty years ago, less CDs. So we have to make some bad choices. Uh, unfortunately, we can't uh, keep Mark because, you know, Los Angeles, Brussels is a kind of expensive flight all the time. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's very uh, true. Yeah. So, you know, we needed, a, we, need, we needed a guy that's really there for us and not always, you know, depending on his daily job. And then, you know, he's got a, a kind of uh, regular uh, shows, uh, you know, show in Las Vegas. So he's not free all the time. So. It was difficult more and more, so I decided to take another guy. I like Mark; he's a great guy, but just more, you know. We can't plan anything in, up front with people like that. It's sure, it's hard. Well, you have yeah. Diego in the band now. How did you come across Diego? Yeah, Diego. You know, I, I was talking with, with him a long time ago. You know, and I always uh, we always said one day we're gonna make something for sure. You know, I love his voice; it's a real kind of deal voice. I love that. And uh, it's a great guy, very professional. And um, I just contacted him after, uh, after a few uh, well uh, thought nights, and I said, "Okay, this guy is perfect for our mask, and he's got to do it. He's got to do it." Yeah, <laughs> I agreed, and it was fine. He's gonna move in Europe uh, in a few months, so it's perfect. Oh, great! That means everybody be closer to each other, easier to work together, uh, much better. Yeah. Yes. But, you know, Iron Mask really keeps you busy. I mean, and sometimes, I mean, I know Magic King just had an album out last year. But, I mean, Iron Mask seems to be, like, you know, the main thing right now. Yeah. I, I, I think I'll, I'll keep the Magic Kingdom as kind of, you know, studio project. And uh, the more complicated mm-hmm. to, to make, um, mm-hmm. not complicated, but, you know, there's a lot of symphonic elements and a lot of, uh, you know, orchestras. Well, we prefer to play uh, with our mask, you know, four guys on stage with keyboard uh, sample, and that's it. Fist yeah. in the face, it's rock and roll, and um, it's much more powerful in the end. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess, you know, when, when you came to form an Iron Mask, you felt you couldn't do this kind of music with Magic Kingdom, so you wanted to do something completely different. You know, you know it's a bit, 
you know, for me, it's like uh, having a boy and a daughter. It's, uh, this is my children. They, they, are, they are like, you know, my my, my children. I, I can't say, oh, this is this, uh, prefer this or that. It's, it's Yeah, let's say it's a bit, Iron Mask is more, a bit less speed metal, but there is a lot of speedy stuff also. But uh, Magic Kingdom is really speed power symphonic. It's always speed metal. And uh, in a way, Iron Mask is a bit more, uh, you know, diversified and more... Uh, Hard rock, more progressive, more you know, a bit, a bit of everything. <laughs> it's true. It does have a little bit of everything in there. And each album is, you know, it, they kind of follow, follow along the same line, but yet each album is a little bit different than the one before it. So you don't repeat yourself. Yeah, I think I, I try. I try, man. It's not. It's not difficult. If it's, it's, it's. I mean, it's difficult. It's not easy. I mean, uh, it's uh, you know when you're in front of the white page and then you oh fuck, man. Let's do something I didn't do in the past. That's the most difficult part, <laughs> really. Oh fuck! At this riff, oh no, not that riff. It's impossible. It reminds me of the other riff. So more and more, it's kind of difficult to, uh, in time. But you know, when you sit and focus, you can you can pass that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, what do you think is the hardest part about being in a band today? Is it keeping a lineup together where people are dedicated, like you said, where uh, they're available to play all the time, or is it just the whole business end of it that kind of brings you down? You know, musician was it was always difficult with musicians uh, from ages since I started. There was always some dickheads. I'm sorry to speak like that, but it's, it's, okay. so, it's, the, it's the truth, really. Yeah, you, you, there always been some guy you can't trust. He said something. Yeah, I'll be there on stage. He's not showing up. I, I promise I'll play with you. I, I, let me play on the album. I promise I'll be on stage. And, and in the end, it's never it never come. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean. Yeah, business-wise, it's much more difficult for sales, for labels, because you know the first day of the of the of the release, the the, the album was uh, spread uh, on the internet all over the world, and the, there's the hundreds and hundreds of free links you can download the album. Then, so it's only dedicated fans that really buy the album, and that's uh, more and more difficult. But you know, the challenge is to make more fans, and that's good. But you know, with musicians, it's, it's always uh, I, I try to keep the best or the best one. You know, the best player has always been with me uh, for 20 years. Now Rami is always is gonna be always always him. He's a great guy. You know, you you have to to get along with them also as as a human, not only like musician. Yeah. And with Diego, with Diego, it started this way. It's uh, really we can trust that guy. It's really he has the same mentality like we have, and that's the most important. He's not a, a big star-headed uh, guy, you know. He's he, he's a star for me. He's a star. I love him. He's a great vocalist, and that's it. Yeah, he but doesn't. He doesn't have the ego. Like a star, it's really a human. I I really like his human side also. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's gonna be. It should be better now that you have him in the band, and now you can put more time into trying to tour and get out there and do more stuff, like you said, which was difficult before. Yeah, we try now to to get more and more gigs, and for next year, it's uh, you know, there's so many bands are playing for almost for free, and then you know, the promoter can just take them and okay, how much you ask? No, I can't pay. Okay, I gotta take this for. This shitty band for free, but you know, we have to struggle for that. We are there in the business for almost, you know, uh, 20 years. We can't play for a hundred dollars or something like that. You know, it was a struggle each time. There's too many bands that now really play for free. That's really, they play, pay even their flights. You know, that's unbelievable. That's true. I, I think they're making it worse by doing that because they're letting the promoters yeah. know that we'll play yeah, for free. You don't have to pay us, and yeah. it affects everybody. Yeah, that's shit. No, nobody can make, uh, can make it like that. It's impossible. It really is. I mean, how's the scene over in Europe today? Is it still? I mean, I know it's stronger there than here in the U.S., but do you find that there's certain parts of the world where 
you know, Iron Mask really, you know, do better than other places? Yeah, it's I noticed. Yes, we we did a tour a few months ago with uh, Rhapsody. Luca Luca Trudy is a really nice guy. And, uh, yeah, so I noticed. You know, the, all the Eastern countries. This uh, my God, this, I was impressed. You know, there's some really a lot of people in, in uh, you know Eastern Ger- uh, Germany also. Uh, France, suit of France, nice. It's, it's it's a lot, a lot of young, young people that don't know what is metal, power metal. That they discovered the young, you know, the 16, 17 years old, and then wow, you see them on the first row. It's great. They sing in the song, and you know, <laughs> at least we, we can see the new generation. And uh, if these guys are showing up, we're not gonna stop. Yeah, I mean, I mean, does internet help the band out any? I mean, does it let you know? know where your stronger fan base is and where you should concentrate on or you look to just kind of like take over the whole world you know i don't know we just try to make our music and then this is the label uh, part of the job we try to make our gigs and we try to be there as much as much as possible every part of the world you know i've got requests from from everybody everyone in the world it's really unbelievable but but sometimes it's not possible to make it because you know we need some kind of money to get there, and uh, some people just yeah, they think okay, come to play, it's easy, come. Huh, no, it's not like that. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, is there any support from the labels today for bands? I mean, outside of distribution. Yeah, yeah, yeah. FM's doing a really great job. I can't complain. It's my best label I had so far, and this is really a professional uh, label. I can't complain. This is uh, one of the few labels that still give you an advance to record an album and make a good promotion uh, after that. And this is very, 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 very. Uh, rare now nowadays you don't have a lot of labels paying even or something yeah. even you just want the album for free and, and, and you get it sorted out yourself that's very very more difficult than before really yeah you know on the new album Diabolica I love it when you go off on those long songs like you know Cursed in the Devil's Mill it's like almost yeah. 14 minutes long I love it when I get to hear you play guitar and really like you know express yourself on those longer songs thank you thank you is that yeah, something that you enjoy doing more you know, I try not to put always long songs because people, uh, you know, it's already 70, 75 or six minutes long, uh, this album, and it's a bit, you can have always so much uh, progressive long stuff, you know, you're going to get, you're going to bore people, but, you know, musicians like that, but, you know, the normal fans, they like some kind of sometimes shorter songs and, you know, sing along uh, chorus and that's why I tried in this album to make it, you know, there's shorter songs, there's longer, there's, uh, you know, in-between songs, a mid-tempo, fast song. I tried to, to make it a bit, uh, a mix of everything I like uh, for the for the last 30 years in metal, what I like, I tried to, to make it in this album. Yeah. Is that the new way musicians have to write, like you said, to keep things kind of short and to the point so people don't get bored? Because people just don't seem to have the time today to dedicate like they used to for the yeah, long songs. Yeah, it's, it's all going man. Yeah, it's, they, they want everything for, for free. They want everything on their smartphone. Uh, sometimes a song, yeah, but, but you know, in the 60s it was the same. You look at the Beatles, two minutes, three minutes songs, that's the best way to catch someone also, you know. You can't make an album all these 10 minute songs. It's impossible. It's true. I mean, back then it was like a, a single society. It was like, you know, bands put out 45 and grabbed you with that. And then the 60s came along and songs got longer and longer in the 70s. Yeah. And then it kind of reverted back again. <laughs> yes, but you know, I think there is fans for everything, you know. Uh, Iron Mask can uh, attract a lot of a lot of different people, you know. There, there, there's prog lovers, there's speed metal, there's funny lovers, there's pure hard rock, you know, uh, lovers. There's everything, you know, fans, old, young. 
that's that's what makes Iron Mask. We don't have just one style of you know let's do progressive or let's do only symphonic speed. Or, that's why I love so much Iron Mask. You know, you know more maybe maybe a bit more than Magic Kingdom because we are more open to everything. It's true. Well, you know, just I'm not going to keep you. I, Diabolica is out now. What does the band have planned for the rest of the year? There's only a few months left in it. Do you got anything happening? Oh, you know, now I'm just doing interviews and promo. And uh, next year, the the gig's going to start. Uh, we have already a few uh, gigs planned for next year. Also, in October, now we have a few gigs. You can find it on our website. And uh, next next year, I'm going to start the next Magic Kingdom uh, album uh, writing and recording. So after the, we tour uh, with the Iron Mask, I'm going to be busy with that. But, uh, yeah, we, we try to make it... Uh, make gigs everywhere now it's uh we look for for for, uh, for, for as many gigs as, as possible hey that's great man listen the best of luck with the record i hope to thanks catch you one man. day here in america it would be great yeah, i really hope i really hope man thanks a lot all right take it
And I want to thank all of our guests tonight. I want to thank Emily Ann, Paul Logue, and Dushan Petrosi. It was a great show. We'll see you guys. Actually, we're going to see you Thursday. It's the Halloween Spooktacular on the holiday matinee at 12 p.m. And next Sunday night, we're going to wrap up the month of October with Greg May from Tyrant and Clay T from Night Legion. Take care, everybody. See you then. Have a great week. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be hard. Like early 90s heavy metal art. I'm yelling and screaming and I'm loud. Roar. Geico makes it easy. You can review and update your policy or report a claim on Geico.com or the Geico mobile app. Because shouldn't we all have a little less stress in our lives? I'm not even upset about anything. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.